The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and on this episode, I am going to be joined by, or not going to be, I am joined by my friend Larry Irby from Discussing Trek. Larry, welcome. How are you? I am doing fine, Kyle. Great to be here with you. I'm glad to have you. I've kicked Clarence and Lee to the curb tonight. You are here for a companion spotlight, but also for a spotlight about you, because I want to learn about your Doctor Who connection and also find out a little bit more of who your favorite Doctor Who companion is. So the way I met you was through Discussing Trek. You've joined us as a co-host, and you're one of my co-hosts with, of course, Clarence Brown, who is the showrunner slash captain slash admiral. What do you want to give him? Admiral, captain, yeoman? What do you want to give him? Commodore. Commodore. Commodore Commodore Clarence or Commodore Brown? Commodore Brown. All right, good deal. So he is our esteemed Commodore over there, but... You and I are on there with him, and I'm glad to have you on Discussing Who. So tell me a little bit about your week. What's going on with you? Having a good week so far? Well, I live near the beach, and we had the hurricane the other day, which turned out, of course, to be rain which we and wind, which we knew it was going to be nothing serious. But, of course, where I live, people where the, they are transplants to this area or native they freak out mm. your shelves are empty of water all the milk and bread gets gone it's, it's like clockwork it never fails but no we came through the storm uh great no damage good deal good deal well been a busy week for me and i am very glad to have you on and always love talking doctor who but it's always fun to get on and talk doctor who and find out other perspectives of ideas and thoughts and things like that. But before we get into you and before we get into who your favorite companion is, we do have a little bit of Doctor Who news that I want to go over and get your thoughts on. So the first thing that I have is the ninth and 10th Doctor's Eras are going to be released on HD Blu-ray DVD. So my thought to you is, are you excited about that? Or does it matter that they're upscaling these? I think it's great because um, the first year, of course, we had Christopher Eccleston. And Christopher's just a phenomenal actor anyway. But um, I really love, like, my socks were blown off by the new Who when they came out. So I think it'll be great to see it in HD or 4K, whichever. And um, of course, you know, David Tennant was amazing. So I look, you know, I really love his first season when he and Rose are just getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. So good. And so, yeah, I would definitely love, I, I actually stream them, but it's just, I, I remember what they looked like in their original format. Trust me, when you stream them, they are so much more crystal clear. So I'm curious of two things. Number one, I'm curious of whether or not any of the streaming services, whether in the U.S. it remains on you know, HBO or Max as it is now, or will it go over to Disney Plus? But regardless of where it stays, I'm curious if streaming will also upscale to HD. 
I'm also curious if you've bought those episodes through Apple, like I have, if those episodes are going to be upscaled to HD. I'd be, you know, really curious to find out or if it's just going to be on this DVD release. Yeah, that would be something. I mean, because like I said, I I actually watched them on uh, Prime. Ah, yes. Yes, indeed. So let me ask this question that I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia. I'm going to put you on the spot. There is one story from David Tennant's era that is in HD. What story was it? Oh, God, I do not know. I can, I can already tell you that. Well, I'll give you a hint. We might run out of time because it has come to an end. Uh, is it the one where they go with uh, Captain Jack and Martha? Very good on my hint, but it's actually his last story, The End of Time, Part 1 and 2. Those were the oh. first ones that were HD. Everything from Matt Smith or Series 5 forward was HD. But there's only one, up until now, you know, David Tennant, 10th Doctor, that was HD, and it was End of Time, Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah, that was good. So speaking of the David Tennant era, the other piece of news that we have is from the BBC and RTD, of course, our Russell T. Davies. They have firmly confirmed what we already know is that Yasmin Finney's Rose, that this character's full name is Rose Temple Noble. Sean Noble, or Sean Temple, I guess it's more like Sean Noble, and Donna's child. Surprised by that because I think we all saw the writing on the wall there, right? Yeah, you know it feels like forever because I'm I learned that like over a year ago, and it's just like is everything is creeping along with Doctor Who? It feels like right now. So yeah, I remember when they were talking about that that she um their kid, which is cool. I like that. Very very cool, and it makes me even more excited knowing that every you know that. I, I just think it is so amazing the fact that we're talking about stories from Donna and the Tenth Doctor that ha- occurred for the most part in 2008, and here we are in 2023, and you have the showrunner come back, you have the gentleman Murray Gold over the music come back, you've got Donna, you've got Sean Temple, you've got Wilf. You've got Sylvia and you've got the doctor, 14th doctor, but the same face. The simple fact of all of that coming back together is just totally amazing to me. Well, Will, now, did he film any before he passed? Yes. He had finished filming all of the scenes before, you know, unfortunately, Bernard Cribbins, you know, passed away. I just loved him. Yes. And, and it's really, really, it's just really sad, but I'm happily sad that he was able to record, you know, the scenes. But on the flip of that, I, you know, it's a sad thing, of course, that Bernard Cribbins did pass away. So that that is, of course, something that's a little bit of a downer. But we are, of course, blessed to have at least one more experience with Wilf. So there oh, we go. Yeah. So, Larry, I want to get into you. I want to learn a little bit more about your Who experience. So my first question I want to ask you is, Tell me a little bit about your first memory of Doctor Who. What was your introduction to Doctor Who? Okay, this is laughable. Okay, so it's 1980. I know because I was my first year in middle school. Uh, 
And um, I was a big fan of all the old 50 TV. I'd watch them with my grandmother. So I'm looking for I Love Lucy. But you remember the old TVs, how you turned it on the U? Oh, and then you had to just, okay. So I'm looking, but you know, they wouldn't come in that well. So instead of getting I Love Lucy on um, the one channel, I keep getting public TV. (laughs) And I was irritated. I was like, I can't believe I can't watch I Love Lucy. And public TV kept coming in. That was the signal I kept getting. And I noticed I'm watching and there's this guy with a really long coat and a long scarf and curly hair, big teeth and a smile. Now, who is this? What is this? I don't know. So I'm looking and then um, we got the first time I saw the Centaurans and I said, that looks like Mr. Potato. (laughs) It became a running joke. And then the other people were the the androids that had, uh, I call them, even though it's way before Millie Vanilli, but I call them the Millie Vanilli guys or the disco guys. They had the long braids. Yes. So that was the first episode of Doctor Who I ever saw in 1980, which is crazy. Because at that time I was 1980, so I was 12 mm. and I'm 55 now. So been a minute. So you and I probably around the same time, I would have been, if you're 55 now I and you were 12, think, you know, take five away from that and you would have had me. So what's that? Eight? No, seven? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm great with words. I'm bad with numbers. So, <laughs> but, but that was a kind of, I can't remember my first Doctor Who experience, but similarly, I remembered the guy with the big teeth, the big smile, the big hair, and the long scarf. Uh, so right there with you. So let me ask you this question. If you were to name your favorite Doctor Who experience, and, and that's open to anything, it could be any experience that you had, but what could you say, what comes to your mind whenever I say, what's your favorite Doctor Who experience? I will say my favorite Doctor Who experience, and it just feels this way. I'm telling you this because it feels organic, was when I went to my first huge con in 1989 or 1990, maybe. might have been 89, but we it was in um, Greenville, South Carolina. It was called Magnum Opus Con, or Mock for short. So we were going there because we're Star Trek fans, and we're going. And we love Battlestar Galactica everything. I had never been in a place where I, there were other Who fans. My friend William, who I told him about what we're doing tonight and told him to watch it when it comes out, um, and my mother were the only other Doctor Who fans I knew, right? So I had no experience. I tell people at school and they're like, ah, sounds terrible. I don't want to watch that. When I get to this convention, there are people walking around dressed like Time Lord. There are dozens of Tom Baker walking around, you know, like I'm looking at the fourth doctor everywhere. There's some Peter Davidson, you know, the fifth doctor walking around. I mean, it was crazy. I, we had the TARDIS, the one you see my friend posing with in that picture. Right. I met the guy who made that. And, um, although I couldn't find my picture with the TARDIS and I know I took one. Uh, You saw the one with the Dalek, a guy built a Dalek. It was inside of it. And uh, I I was blown away. And that was probably my favorite, to know that I wasn't alone in my love of who. 
that there were other people out there too. Mm, okay. Well, I love a good segue and you just did a perfect segue into my next question, which is why do you think Doctor Who appeals to such a wide variety of fandoms? You know, I think number one, the Doctor is, and I say that the Doctor came out before this, but the Doctor also reminds me of like Kane from uh, Kung, Kung Fu. Okay. He's that lone person, or though he's got a companion usually, or two or three with him. But he goes where he's needed. He comes to a town and he's going to set things right, you know? And who doesn't love a story where a guy goes in and there's a bunch of bullies, you know, mistreating people, and he goes in and sets everything right most of the time? Okay, good, good answer. So, what is it about Doctor Who then, do you think? is a testament to the longevity. Because if you look back at how it started, it started on a shoestring budget. I wouldn't even say shoestring. It started on a, let's just piece together a budget, you know, for that first episode. The first episode actually airs right after Kennedy was assassinated. So, you know, the viewing figures were in the toilet and it actually got a second airing. So, you know, there's all these things against it. And then yet here we are in 2023, weeks away now from celebrating 60 years of Doctor Who. So why do you think it has survived this long? I think the fandom. I think the fandom is the only reason because we love this show. Like I said, my grandmother was born in like, 1919 and she would sit and she would hardly ever watch any show with me not even star trek occasionally she would sit there she would watch doctor who with me you know and and love sarah same way as i do and i think the longevity it's like right now i'll tell you what gives me chills kyle if i can when i walk in a grocery store or i go in a movie theater and i see doctor who t-shirts it warms my heart because this was such a niche, niche, niche thing back in our day Mm -hmm. that, you know, like I said, I didn't know a single other person other than my mother and William who were Dr. Who fans. And now to see it global icons where you have, you know, my friend who is his daughter is a massive Who fan. She just started her first year of college. So she's been raised on Doctor Who, you know, and uh, to see that is beautiful. And I think that absolutely we, the fans, are responsible for the longevity because I think, you know, Doctor Who's never until lately got great ratings. You know, it was never like a massive money maker for the BBC, but we just kept demanding more. We've often talked on this show about toxic fandoms, and we've always been the nice guys. We're, we pride ourselves on always, no pun intended, trying to say something nice. You know, we, we, we may dislike something. We at least try to balance that out with something positive. That being said, not all fandoms are positive. Do you think who 
maintains positivity as a fandom of as a whole? Do you think there's an element of negativity? What do you think? I think it's like anything else today, to be honest, Kyle. Um, everything is so polarized, and I'm. It saddens me. And I mean, I got to be really honest. With you, it really saddens to see that work its way into fandoms and people bring their own ideology, their own politics, whatever they may be, into it. Because I love who, and you know, to when when I see people come in there who probably don't love it as much as we do, and they just want to pick a fight and make it a social issue or a a political issue or a a woman issue or man, it, it saddens me. It does. Because Doctor Who proved to you more than anything that it brought people together. I myself am an African-American guy who grew up in the deep South watching a TV show about a British guy, a British alien <laughs> from another planet with two hearts. It's It's a beautiful thing and it hurts my heart to see the negativity, but it's not just who, it's it's just society in general. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we're sitting here giving our opinions, talking about Doctor Who, because we have the technology in today's environment to be able to do that, to be able to sit here, to record our voices, and then broadcast them out for whoever and whenever someone wants to listen to him. That said, I think you're so right in the sense of people being behind social media and looking for that fight or just looking to say something provocative to get attention for themselves. Case in point, when the first news that Jodie Whittaker had been cast as the doctor, I mean, I heard people going, ho, 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 we're going to have a pink TARDIS now. I mean, to me, that's uncalled for. You know, that's why do you have to go with, ho, 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 you're going to have a pink TARDIS. Now the doctor's a woman. I mean, why? Why waste your energy just trying to be negative? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's inclusive. And I meant to tell you, when you just jarred my memory, when you said social media, that's another reason Doctor Who is still around. Because once social media got out there, all us Whovians could find each other yes. at last. Because I remember when I first saw a Doctor Who um, Facebook group, um, I don't think I'm still in it, but um, I immediately joined and it was it was awesome. We're talking like in Facebook's first two or three years or something like that, maybe longer than that, I'm not sure. But yeah, social media, even though social media is a double-edged sword, we all know that. But it's definitely a part of why I think that all these people who love the doctor could connect because we could actually find each other now. And talking about social media and the positivity of, of social media, look at how Russell T. Davies, as a showrunner, embraces social media. I mean, I remember when Shuti was first announced as the incoming doctor, that was on Instagram. It wasn't a BBC news presentation. It wasn't a BBC press release. It first went out on Shooty's uh, Instagram where he put two hearts and a blue square. And then a few minutes later, I think RTD 
retweeted it or whatever it was. But to my whole point, they utilized social media announcing that he was joining as the next doctor, you know, in the line after Jody per se, quote unquote. So yes, it, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Yeah. I very much aware of that. I mean, I've seen some negative stuff online. I try to ignore it and just not worry about it because, um, I got to remember there's a little pain because I know there are people who object to certain things they see in new who, but they haven't watched classic who. So they don't know that there was already a precedent for some of this stuff already. And they're going, Oh, the doctor wouldn't do that. The doctor's done that before. Mm, I'm not saying every time, sometimes they do come up with brand new things, but I mean, if you consider the like I can say this honest, I've never seen every Doctor Who episode as is nearly impossible. See, I I actually have a friend who has been on the show before, and he is from England, and he was on Doctor Who Podshock. And Doctor, have you ever heard of Doctor Who Podshock before? No, I have not. So when I got my first iPod back in the day when, you know, you had the big iPod classic, the big, the first thing I did when I bought it was go and look up Dr. Who Podshock. I mean, Dr. Who for podcast. And that was the first one, you know, that I found and it was started in 2005 and it, it's not being produced anymore because the uh, showrunner had some things that, that took him off the game for Dr. Who Podshock ongoing but he and Dave Cooper, Lewis was from the States, Dave is uh, from the UK. Dave started watching Doctor Who with an unearthly child. So he has seen every episode of Doctor Who. But, you know, that not, in, not everybody, not many people can say that. So kudos to Dave. So let me ask you this, since we're talking about positivity and getting ready for the 60th, let me ask you this question. Thoughts on the Chibnall era, thought, and particularly thoughts on the timeless child. Okay, the Chibnall era is, uh, era is um, I'm going to say this, and this is being positive, but there were a lot of the stories, and this is largely how I felt about uh, Capaldi's era. I thought Jody was excellent. That's just me. And, you know, if somebody else doesn't think she was great, I get that too. But the writing was just not up to snuff a lot of times. I love the companions. I think Chris Chipnell did some really good episodes. I think he had some really good ideas. But overall, a lot of it just didn't hit. And it hurt my heart because Jody's and the cast are giving it their all. And mm-hmm. I felt the same, you know, about uh, just to go there about Stephen Moffat's last who I with he and um of course I've lost my train of thought now but Peter Capaldi excuse me Peter Capaldi is just a phenomenal actor and there were some episodes that I just thought wow he is so much better than this but he's doing the best he can you know so Chipno had some episodes that like the uh episode about um where they go to India Mm-hmm. Uh, Demons of the Punjab. Right. So they go to India, and that was beautiful. That made me cry. That made me cry. Because to be honest, a lot of people 
in this world. It's it, you can learn stuff from a lot of these shows. Didn't know. Like I had a friend who watched that episode and he's like, I had no idea that Pakistan and India that that happened. He said, I was never taught that in school. And he's watching Doctor Who and he learned about the partition that, you know, was based on religious, you know, started out that created India and Pakistan. And um, it's just beautiful to see that, you know, he learned that on a Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. But that was such a mind blow. There have been a few Doctor episodes that made me cry. But that one really emotionally hit me hard, you know? You know, and I remember Clarence saying that that was one of his favorite from the Chibnall era was Demons of the Punjab. Then on the other hand, we have Orphan 55, which I think Lee Clarence and I all three hated, the one where it's Benny. Have you seen Benny? You know, the the lady looking. and then but, But what we didn't like about it was at the end, where the doctor went so out of character because she was berating the companions about pollution and whatnot. And we know, you know, from back in the old days that the doctor did have these messages from eco-friendly and what, but it was so on your, you know, it was, it was not camouflaged. It just felt like she was berating and it was, it was put, put offish. So preachy. You ha- yeah, very preachy and, and so out of character for the doctor, but it was making that message and it was like, nah, you know, so you had a lot of misses with Chibnall. So Timeless Child, was that a hit or was that a miss? The Timeless Child for me and anybody who listens to this, they're going to be like, he's not a real Who fan. No, because I honestly love the Timeless Child thing. I'm one of the few people, and I know it's not a popular thing, but I did. I just, because people kept saying, I don't like the fact that the doctor was somehow special. Well, the doctor has always been special. This was just giving you, the doctor was never an average time lord. He or they just never were. Never, you know? And uh, so when they said, you know, the timeless child, I personally, did not have a problem with it. I know a lot of people did. You know, my friend Christine, she said, I hate it, Larry. I hate, I hate it that they did that. And I said, well, you know, you know, I respect her opinion on it. You know, I just love the fact of seeing where the doctor came from and still not learning their name. I thought that was very important. I don't ever want to know the doctor's actual name, uh, but I I did like the timeless child. This is what I love about who is how we can have different opinions and yet still, you know, love Dr. Who. I personally hate the timeless child concept. I love Joe Martin's fugitive doctor. However, the fugitive of the Jadoon Mm -hmm. is actually one of the very few Chibnall episodes that I have watched over and over and over and over and over again because I love Joe Martin's incarnation of the doctor. I just can't get enough of her. She's awesome. That being said, listeners of this program know, I don't like the fact that you lessened Hartnell. You lessened our first doctor, in my opinion. And I just 
think that that you could have been creative because think about it. Moffat in the 50th anniversary introduced a, an incarnation that we didn't know about spoilers, but he wove it into the story to where the ninth doctor was still the ninth doctor. The 10th doctor was still the 10th doctor. The eighth doctor was still the eighth doctor, but then you had John Hurt's doctor and it didn't break Canon. If I'm the art, if I want to argue you broke Canon as someone who likes the timeless child, tell me how that doesn't break Canon. Help me out here. Well, just the whole thing with the doc. Now, here it is for me. I'll set it up. The doctor set this up with the war doctor. You know, when they brought the late, great John Hurt, that man's amazing, and uh, brought him in. Because then we knew that told you the doctor may not know things about, at that time, his own life. Because he knew, now we know he knew about the war doctor. He just suppressed it. Correct. So we know this. So he knew about the war doctor, but it made us think, okay, we didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us think, oh, well, we know all about every doctor and this and that. And it threw us a curveball. It was done beautifully. The timeless child expands on that. Now, now here's the thing. I didn't love every aspect of the timeless child. I did not like the cyber time lords at all that was ridiculous to me personally and about the the gentleman i'm gonna forget his name who played the master um oh wow uh, sasha dewan sasha dewan is amazing yes My i loved his master God. by the way that was one of the since doctor who came back they have not had anybody play the master that did not kill it I can say that of all of them, like personally. Very nice uh, thing to say. You've said something nice. Very good for you. Yeah. I loved all of them, their their take on it. The The thing about the timeless child is the doctor had a whole nother life, lives that even at that point she did not know about. I love the thing with her and Joe Martin. It gave me tingles when they're standing. And she's like, she says, I've been, she says, oh yeah, since when? Forever. And she's like, no, I think I remember being you. She said, I remember that too, if I had a shirt like that. Yeah. Yep. My favorite lines. I mean, love that. With all the rainbows and trousers that don't reach. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is when she's basically saying, you know, she said to basically, no, you're in my past. The doctor doesn't think so, but she was right. She mm-hmm. was in her past, as it were, even though, like we said, the doctor's pun intended, timey-wimey, <laughs> because you never know. And that's what I loved about the Timeless Child, that the doctor was part of this organization. And you know that the Time Lords have always been shady, Kyle. Oh, true. I get that. I totally, I, I'm with you there. Yes. I mean, they've screwed the doctor over countless times. And sent the doctor into all kinds of situations. And then sometimes they don't want the doctor around. And then sometimes they need the doctor. And, uh, but that to me would make perfect sense to me that the doctor was part of this organization. After so long, they would wipe the doctor's memory and start over. 
But I get it. I I honestly do understand why some people didn't like it. I honestly understand. But I just didn't mind it. As I said, I'm not going to say like I thought it was the best thing ever. No. But like you said, um, Joe Martin's doctor and just the thought that there are other doctors out there. That we don't know about and we've not seen. Yeah. So it does open up storyline potentials, you know. That that's true too. So let me ask you this: Do you think we will see the fugitive doctor again now that Chibnall is gone? Maybe, maybe. All right, maybe. I think I think it's kind of like like I was. Here's something I was definitely not happy about, and I think when now that we've got Russell T Davies back, I think we'll see River Song again. Quite possible. Sure. Quite possible. But yeah, that was one thing that really irked me through the whole Chipno era is that they did not bring back River Song. You know, she said, remember, she said, I know all your faces. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did indeed. I, I really, I, I didn't mind the timeless child. Some people were just livid. Some people <laughs> swore off who forever. I was like, okay. RTD has is returning. So my question to you is, are you excited for what I'm calling RTD 2? I am. Why? I am. Why Ru- are you excited? Because Russell T. Davies is a genius. He just is. I mean, when he started this, imagine now when Doctor Who went off the air, you know, and we had, um, uh, my God, Sylvester McCoy, who I liked Sylvester fine. He wasn't my favorite doctor, but I but I liked it. And it went off the air. No Doctor Who, right? We try to bring it back with Paul McGann, who is amazing. I'm just going to say it. Anybody doesn't like the Doctor Who movie, sue me, because I liked it, and it didn't work. And then he brings it back, and we get Christopher Eccleston. We get... Billy uh, Piper off to the races and the show by God, Kyle, the very first show when he takes Rose, the second show, second, when he takes Rose into the future and spoilers, anybody, (laughs) but the, he takes her into the future and they're there to see the earth. And it's so chilling when he she says, are you here to save it? He said, no, no. The earth lived its life. This is the end. And then remember at the end where he says, uh, Rose says to him, everybody, we were so busy doing all this stuff and the earth just went away and nobody even noticed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chills, chills. So I was in love immediately. And then everything they did, and I'll tell you something else I love. I did not know they were changing doctors. Ah, Okay. Because at that time, I couldn't get it all the time. And my friend would actually burn them. Now, we're dating ourselves now. <laughs> he would burn them after getting them offline. To a DVD send, so, yes, or CD would, so you could watch them. Yes, yes, yes. And he would send them to me. And I'm watching this episode, and it's so cool. And Rose, you know, takes out the Daleks. And it was freak Captain Jack. It was amazing. Still Bad Wolf. 
Rose Tyler, I was going to take you to so many places. Barcelona, not the city Barcelona, the planet of Barcelona. You know, they have dogs there with no noses. Imagine how many times you love telling that joke and it's still funny. Well, why can't we go? Well, you still might. I still might. But not like this. Not with this daft old face. You're not making any sense. I might not make sense again. I might have two heads or no heads. Imagine me with no head. And don't say that's a bit of improvement. It's a bit dodgy, this process. You never know what's going to happen. Well, what's what's happening? Well, Time Lords have this little trick. It's like a, this way of cheating death. But it means I'm going to change. And it means I'll never see you again. Not like this. Not with this staffed old face. But Rose, before I go, I want you to know that you were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But you know what? So was I. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't done that in so long. And I couldn't resist. You do that as well as I do the Jack Nicholson in the uh, Few Good Men. I, I have memorized that by heart. When he starts changing, I had no clue that was coming. Ah. And this guy comes in and he's like, you know, and he comes in. Hello. Oh, new teeth. New teeth. That's weird. That's weird. And oh, Barcelona. And I was like, Okay, what just happened? What just happened? Where is Christopher Eccleston? I look, and who is this guy? Yes, yes. Had no, you know, didn't know. In short order, I would fall in love with this man's portrayal, his acting, his charisma. But I had no idea. I did not know who David Tennant was. Not at all. I remember seeing that, and I remember crying my eyes out because this was my first watching of a doctor you know, live uh, per se, not watching something that had been, you know, done decades before, you know, this was live current and you're into it. And then yes, you get to it. Little did I know that we were going to be introduced to the man who would be ranked right up there with Tom Baker as one of the greatest doctors of all time. Exactly. Exactly. And when he came on, the thing I loved about tenant is his energy this this is one thing every doctor any actor who embodies the doctor has to be able to do this they have to be able to be lovable but they have to have that darkness that is a big part of the doctor is the darkness that's in them you know mm -hmm. it's always there even in the original a lot of people said oh it's just after the time war no even in the original Tom Baker, I saw Sylvester McCoy do it. I saw um, uh, Colin Baker do it. All of those doctors, including John Pertwee, could channel that dark part of the doctor. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to the character. So speaking of important to the character, let's talk a little bit about Shutigatwa. He is going to be, of course, the 15th Doctor now, since we now have the amazing David Tennant back as the 14th Doctor. Excited? Thoughts on Shuti? I just actually watched Shuti. First time I've ever got to see him act, I hadn't seen his previous work, was in the new Barbie movie, which grossed a billion dollars. And he's got not a, a starring role, but he's in it quite a bit. And um, so I am excited. When I first saw him on the red carpet, after the announcement was made, you know, people were talking about his other show. I have very high hopes. I really look forward to seeing his 
interpretation of the doctor and what he's going to bring to it. And I'm so happy, like we said, that Russell T. Davies is back because I want to see what he will do and bring out of Shooty, how he will let him create his own doctor. So when I found out that Shooty was taking over, now I knew that he had a you know starring role in sex education, and I had seen you know people watching sex education, but I had not really paid much attention to it. But I didn't really know that much about him. So I went and started watching interviews of him talking about sex education, not clips of the show, just, you know, him. And I was mesmerized by him. He was he had such a bubbly, captivating personality that I just wanted to continue watching him now. Truth be told, that may have been a little bit about knowing that, hey, he's going to be your doctor. So I'm in the back of my mind starting to be obsessed with you because you're going to be the next doctor. I was captivated by him. I think he's going to be awesome. And I'm like you. I can't wait to find out what, you know, RTD and he bring to the 15th doctor. But before we do that, I want to ask a quick question. 60th anniversary, what would you like to see happen in the 60th anniversary? I can tell you right off the bat, 60th anniversary, to me, off the top, we have way too many doctors who are still around to not give the people what they want. Because let's be honest, whether people are griping about different things here or different doctors there, what would you not give to see Christopher Eccleston come back with David Tennant, okay, Matt Smith, Jody Whitaker, Peter Capaldi, and Shooty Gadwa. Mm. I would pass out. It would yep. be so good. And Joe we, Martin. And Joe Martin. We and Paul McGann. Because let me tell you, you want to talk awesome? Go and listen to some of the Big Finish audios, audios yeah. for, for um, Paul McGann. I have fallen in love with his incarnation through Big Finish. He is an awesome, awesome doctor. So anyone listening, Big Finish, you can find them in your local library, the library Hoopla app if, with your local library. You can find many of the Eighth Doctor Adventures audiobooks on that. Check him out. He is awesome. You know what? I When we got that shot of him, I am not going to lie. When, when we're going into the uh, right before the war doctor, I, I am terrible with episode names. I will admit that's one thing. The Night of the Doctor. The Night well, of the Well, that was the name of the Doctor that Paul, uh, I mean, John Hurt was introduced. The Night of the yeah. Doctor is the mini episode. Yeah, I love that episode. And my wife, you know, loved watching Doctor Who with me, but she wasn't into the lore like I was. So when I see Paul McGann, I'm just like, ah, my God. And she was just like, what is wrong with you? I said, that was the doctor. That was the guy that was in the movie that was trying to bring the show back and it didn't work and it never got greenlit. And she was like, oh, (laughs) so I loved him in that. It was an amazing episode. Uh, The actress in that was really good, too. I've seen her in some stuff since then. Yeah, he is an amazing doctor. It made me want to see like maybe they could do a little mini doctor with him so we could see a few of his, almost like, you know how Star Trek had short treks? Mm-hmm. We could have a, a Who version of that, where we have these little episodes of all the doctors, the pre- obviously the present doctors who are still with us. Well, you know, what's funny about you saying that is, if you go back to RTD1, 
the first RTD era, you had the mini Whoverse with the Sarah Jane Adventures, Torchwood, and Doctor Who, all under the umbrella of the creative mind of Russell T. Davies. I would not be shocked now that you are on Disney Plus in the U.S. and I'm pretty much everywhere else, I think, outside of the U.K., that there's not like a Marvel hub, that there won't be a Doctor Who hub that will have more than just new Doctor Who. That's true. But Kyle, I got to warn you, we don't say the the TW word. What's the T? Oh, Torchwood. We don't talk about that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over that. I'm not over that yet. Okay. I'm, that's, that's bad memories. Cause I'm telling you, there probably has never been another show on TV that was a spinoff of a show that I loved, that I loved more than I loved Torchwood. And I was heartbroken. Mm. So you may be tempting something that we have thought about before is to review Torchwood. And we've never done that before. We may, you may, if you love it that much, we may be enticed to Torchwood. I was just, I was just ill. I was just like, there was, and I know that Russell T. Davies' partner was sick at that time. And I know he had other things going on. So I know why, but there was never any reason to me to not continue Torchwood. But didn't I mean, someone else take over Torchwood after? Because remember, he went to do, um, I can't remember what he went to do. But he And if I'm not mistaken, place. don't we know who took over whenever it kind of went down a little bit? Yeah. And um, like I said, number one. You know where I'm going with that, don't you? That, yeah. That's really a, 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 a sore spot with me. On you know, Torchwood. it's Chibnall, right? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> And 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 I and I'm the one to kick Chris because he did some fabulous work too. Uh, even on Torchwood, he did some great stuff. But when we got to um, like uh, Torchwood and spoilers for Torchwood, everyone, I, I'm telling you, the one thing they did do was when they did the episode where they basically made the thought of immortality seem horrible. That was amazing. You know, where nobody could die. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what was the name of that episode? I don't remember. You don't remember? I can't remember either, but I Miracle Day. Yes. I think it was yes, Miracle yes, yes, Day. Yes, yes, yes. That was the miniseries kind of thing. Yes, and it was amazing. You know, but the original Torchwood team, when we had everybody together, it was just, just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. But- like you were saying, I will say this. I think Russell T. Davies, I just think he has a connection with Doctor Who that I have seen few other people have. And the fact that he is not afraid to try new things, but he also gets the mythology. To go negative with Chibnall, I love Torch, or not Torchwood, uh, Broadchurch. It was awesome. Totally loved everything he did in that. And I think Chibnall is a true fan of Doctor Who. I, I think he loves the franchise. He, like you said at the very beginning, it just didn't hit for everyone. That being said, just like in the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, where the doctor changes his mind, I want to change my mind and I want to ask you a question. And my question is, we're coming up on an hour 
I would like to, instead of going into the companion spotlight, I think Sarah Jane is too important to be tacked on at the very end. So I instead would like to change my mind and invite you back for another episode. Are you open to coming back and spending an entire episode talking about Sarah Jane Smith? Oh, my God. Of course. I figured that was a given. Awesome. So, Larry, that being said, I want to say thank you very much for your time. This has been an hour that went by quickly. I've enjoyed talking about Doctor Who. It's been awesome having you on. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, it was a pleasure. I'm eternally grateful to uh, Tasha at After the Snap that I met Clarence, and then I got to meet you. And so thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, let us know what you are excited about for the next anniversary special, the 60th anniversary. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 